Good morning. Let me ask you a question. What thoughts come to mind when you think about yourself thriving in life? I've heard the expression from when newborns are born, uh, the expression failure to thrive. In Psalm 1, verse 3, it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. God desires for you to thrive. It is quite a um, difficult thing when a child, a newborn child, is diagnosed with failure to thrive, isn't growing, isn't putting on weight, um, deep inside every follower of Jesus is a desire to have a visible, lasting impact in the world. And that's not our idea, it's God's. In John 15, Jesus announced that he chose and appointed us to bear fruit. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Then jumping forward to verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I don't know if you caught that, but a very significant piece of that scripture in verse 16 is, I chose you, God chose you. You did not choose Him, but He chose you, knowing everything that you would ever do, knowing everything that you will do, knowing your thoughts, knowing your failures, knowing your personality. He chose you. He gave you everything. He died for you long before you were ever you. He knew you before you were ever born. He chose you. And if you're a disciple of Christ, then your calling and destiny is to be fruitful. And fruit is not a bunch of spiritual or religious activities like going to church or reading your Bible or keeping the Ten Commandments. Fruit means that when people taste your life, you taste like Jesus. Philippians 4 verse 11 through 13 says, Now I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer, and to suffer need. Verse 13, and everyone knows this one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you catch that? Leading up to the verse that we know so well, talks about how no matter what state he's in, no matter how challenging or how great his situation is, even in the challenging situations, he can do all things through Christ.
In the great situations, he can do all things through Christ. When he is hungry and when he is full, when he is in need and when he has plenty, he can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In your own words, what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? What does it mean to be fruitful and to taste like Jesus? God's version of success looks like building our lives on eternal things for eternal things. Anything less does not impress God and shouldn't impress us. Unfortunately, many believers today, unfortunately, many believers today don't live with 40 years in mind, let alone eternity. An incredible concern for the church is how we've become short-term success-minded people that doesn't impress God one bit. So let me ask you this question. What do you think God has called you to become over the long term? Philippians 4.13 again says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's one of the most popular quoted and quoted verses today. But why do we overlook verse 11 and 12? And what is it in verse 11 and 12 that makes verse 13 so powerful? So what area of distraction do you personally wrestle with the most? What does Christ giving you strength to avoid to be distracted in this area look like practically in your life? Where do you get thrown off the track where you don't even consider that I can do all things through Christ? Not only have you, are you chosen and appointed to produce fruit, but Jesus said you're chosen to produce much fruit. And not only much fruit, but fruit that lasts. There's a difference between some fruit and much fruit. God's plan for your life is not conservative. He's not satisfied with minimal results. He expects to see much, and you should too. He says that He will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask. That's a lot. There's also a difference between much fruit and fruit that will last. God isn't looking for temporary results. He's looking for permanent change. He's not looking for a month or a year or a decade of you growing more like Jesus and pursuing the things He calls you to. He's looking for a lifetime, a generational impact, eternal. Abundant, enduring fruitfulness will only happen, Jesus says, if you remain in Him. In the growth cycle of bearing, of fruit-bearing plants, fruit comes at the end. Why? Because if fruit came on a brand new stalk or shoot coming out of the ground, it would break. It couldn't sustain it. The cycle starts with a seed being planted in the ground. When watered, the seed breaks open and begins to put down roots. And that root system will continue to grow as the seed forms a shoot and eventually breaks through the surface of the soil into the air and sunlight. Both the plant and its root system will keep growing until the plant is strong and mature enough to bear fruit. 
Importantly, in order for a plant to survive, much less bear fruit, its root system has to take up more space underground than the plant takes up above ground. When you look at the humongous trees, the redwood trees in Redding, California, around that area in the Avenue of the Giants, you're actually standing on a root system that's wider than the trees are tall. This is the principle of foundations. A foundation always has to be bigger than the thing it is supporting. Bearing fruit in your life comes through a similar process. Spiritually, God plants the seed of His Word inside you and waters it with His Holy Spirit, bringing it to life. He begins to give you insight into who He created you to be in Him and what He's calling you to do with Him. And then He starts to build a root system for that seed. Your heart is your point of connection with Jesus, the place where you become rooted in your relationship with Him. It's where the Word goes when you take the Word into your mind and into your heart. If you abide in Him and His Word in you, this is your heart, the point of connection with Jesus. And He wants to develop His heart-to-heart connection with you to the point where you become fully united with Him, where you think like He thinks, want what He wants, speak like He speaks, and do what He does. That's what it means to remain in Him. We've talked over the last few weeks about the blood of Jesus and about how uh, on the Passover, the blood had to get in the basin and be sprinkled on the doorpost and the lintel, but that's still not enough. You had to be in the house. This is taking that whole uh, teaching to the next level of how to be in the house. It is remaining in Jesus. Only when you remain in Him will you produce fruit that lasts. For you to bear abundant, enduring fruit, God needs you to be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. If you let Him build your root system in secret before He leads you into making a visible impact into the world. Roots take time. Joseph was 13 years. Moses, 40 years. Jesus was 30 years old when He started His ministry. But we're going to be looking at David, who I believe was a prototype of New Testament believers, because of his intimacy with God and his understanding that God desires a pure heart more than sacrifice and offering. God desires your heart more than anything that you have to give. Do you remember what they said, what Scripture says about David? That he was a man after God's own heart. Was David mistake-free? No, he made huge mistakes. But David had a repented heart, a repentive heart. He had a broken heart that always turned back to the Lord. And I believe David had a moment where he was where his uh, root system began. He was probably between 10 and 13 years old. Samuel came to uh, anoint a new king, came to the house of Jesse. And uh, Samuel asked for the sons to be displayed in front of him. So they started walking in front of him, kind of like a runway at a, a fashion show. And they all looked good. And Samuel thought, oh, this one must be him. But that wasn't him. God was looking for something different. If you looked at Saul, the previous king, he looked like a king, a head, heads, a head taller than everyone else. But that isn't what God was looking for. Saul's problem was his heart. 
the first moment he was tempted with uh, the things of the world, he caved. He fell. God was looking for someone that wouldn't, that wouldn't cave, that when facing a giant, he would stand on God's word. Even the dad didn't uh, acknowledge David. Saul finally said, hey, I've seen all your boys. Is this all of them? And he said, no, I got one more out in the field watching the sheep. Samuel said, well, let's don't eat until he shows up. And David was the one. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God was saying, I'm look for, looking for someone who will let me grow him on the inside before I grow him on the outside. God didn't want another Saul. Saul looked like a king, but he wasn't sufficiently rooted in God's heart to lead a nation God's way. It wasn't until David was 30 years old before he came king before he became king, 30 years old. It takes time to get roots. 